This episode of the Better Every Shift podcast is brought to you by Lexipol, the experts in policy, training, wellness support, and grants assistance for first responders and government leaders. To learn more, visit Lexipol.com. That's L-E-X-I-P-O-L.com. Now let's get into the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Better Every Shift podcast. My name is Aaron Zamzow. I am a firefighter training officer and author for Fire Rescue One. And my editor, the one that's the the best that I've ever worked with, uh, the closest to my heart, my uh, the captain of this uh, podcast, Janelle Fasquette is here. Janelle, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing today, Aaron? I'm good. I'm excited. Uh, A little stressed out. Um, Obviously, that's part of the theme that we're going to be talking about today because we have a battalion chief with us today, Ben Thompson. Uh, Ben is, um, is an author of uh, uh, article for your, uh, I shouldn't say for your, for our FR one special coverage on what firefighters want. Um, Ben is a battalion chief in uh, Birmingham, Alabama. He's been a longtime writer. Um, how are you doing today, chief? I'm doing well. Still getting used to being called chief. So (laughs) if you say it, I don't answer. We'll have to stick to Ben, right? Like, uh, yeah. Um, well, congrats on, on being newly promoted and and being a chief and, and thanks for uh, a great article, great insight onto, um, what firefighters want and real quick, what was the biggest surprise, uh, that you found when you started to look at some of this data that we got from the survey? Uh, I guess the biggest surprise is how many people I actually agreed with. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's the biggest surprise. There's no surprise for me, you know, for people I talk to, you know, because it's um, I don't, I don't want to get too deep into what the results actually were just yet. But that was, you know, I kind of like, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I know exactly how you feel. So that's that's what it was. Which is um, I mean, it's good and bad because I think uh, a that means that the problems um, are pretty consistent, uh, which means that solutions then may be a little bit, um, you know, easier to come by because of, of more people being affected by it. But, you know, the survey had 2,100 people and, and I know what you mean. Sometimes you read these surveys and go, ah, I don't know where they were surveying from. Cause I don't agree with it. Um, but, uh, let's, let's dig it into it a little bit. Um, first statistic or data point that really stood out to you. The first statistic was of course, the number one stressor, uh, for everybody nationwide was poor agency leadership. And, uh, you know, like I said, I, I wasn't overwhelmingly surprised because I've had the opportunity to go to some national classes and talk to firefighters from all over the country. And, you know, anybody has been to the National Fire Academy or any kind of conference and you sat down, and shared a beer with somebody, you know, you start seeing everybody has the same problems. So, um, you know, that and that's what it goes to is it's just like the kitchen table in the bar room in Indianapolis at FDIC. Everybody's going to say, yes, yeah, the chiefs, it's the administration. It's always the same stuff. So. You know, I saw that and I was like, but to see a number to it, you know, in a percentage, um, it's always a little uh, startling, makes a little more concrete than just, you know, a conversation. Yeah. But it uh, is that new, do you think? Or I guess what you're saying, it's it's never been, I think, this universal. I, I don't know. I I can't I can't say it's new because it seems like there's always we've always been pointing our finger up you know, for every problem we have at the fire station. And it, it kind of makes me think because they're not there to defend themselves. I had this, uh, my first captain, it, do you guys have Kelly days where someone's off 
you know, you have a shift off every nine shifts. Yeah. Yeah, we do. We have, we have Kelly days that kind of bring you your work week down or your schedule down a little bit. And I, and I know there's, there's some departments up in our area that don't get Kelly days, but yeah, Kelly days to, to bring you either to a, you know, I don't know, 52 or 48 hour work week. Yeah. We, yeah, we have them at my department. So my captain told me the reason why we have Kelly days is so everybody else's station has someone to talk about. So <laughs> they're not there to defend themselves. So, you know, and think about it, administration, especially one that's not out in the field talking to the guys all the time, um, they're absent. So they're an easy target to blame for problems. So, you know, I guess you could say the louder the people are blaming the agency leadership is probably directly reflected of how absent they are in the field, you know? Yeah. And that was my next question is, well, I think part of it is, yeah, you blame the person that's not there, but why are they not there? Yeah. Um, you know, are they there? Are they not there because of poor leadership or are they not there because they're overworked or is it a combination? I mean, what's your thought on that? So I don't know. So it's, it's funny. So as a lieutenant, I had an opportunity that a lot of people have not have never had. I was basically pulled from duty to do a special project, do our community paramedicine program for our mm -hmm. department. And uh, so I wasn't over any firefighters. I was over a project and I did it for three years and I worked my tail off. You know, I mean, I was. Try, I mean, I was going to meetings and I'm trying to get policies done and all this stuff. And I mean, I'm working really hard and I started seeing success, but it wasn't being translated in the field. And I remember one day walking into a, a fire station, to use the restroom because I was like in between meetings or something. And I see a firefighter with his phone out that didn't really know me. He just sees me pull up in a city car. I've got my nice white shirt on, you know, and he looks at me and goes, huh, must be nice. You know, and I'm like, you have no idea what I've done today. Mm -hmm. But then I kind of had to look at it and say, well, what have I done to make them understand what I'm doing? You know, so it's kind of it's hard because as an administrator, you're you're really dealing with foreign policy and you're being blamed for domestic issues because, mm -hmm. you know, you're you're over at City Hall all the time working, you're fighting. But if you don't come back and you know explain that to your to your crews, they have no idea what you're doing. Well, I think that's interesting because we just had Dr. Candace Ashby on the show and her whole theme is leadership from the bottom up because her her point is, you know, everyone blames up, but what are you doing to make change? And like you're saying, like, what have I done to help them know or explain my role, for example, on this project? You know, so I think that's that's an interesting theme we're seeing. But I also wanted to call out a couple quotes from your article related specifically to the poor agency leadership. Um, one thing that connects with what you were just saying, one, this was from the free text. We asked firefighters to tell us why they selected this as their number one stressor. Um, this person said, we have no chief. Our department is run by the three-headed monster, mm -hmm. mayor, city manager, and city attorney. And then we had another person say, my administration can't be bothered to go visit an employee hurt on the job in the hospital. I think, I mean, there's, those are two very different aspects of the poor agency leadership, right? There's the, just the political stuff, administrative stuff, but then there's the very real personal and human side of it, you know, and if you don't believe in your chief or your chief officers to take care of their people, that is going to cause significant, significantly low morale. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I've kind of gone through, I've had a, I've, I've had a fire chief in the past that was pretty absent. 
Uh, I've gone through the time where we were in transition and had no fire chief. Uh, you know, we had an interim fire chief who was just kind of a placeholder. But he, I mean, he would tell you, you know, I'm just here until they find a new person. And uh, I don't know which one's more stressful, you know, because it's because uh, the interim is like, hey, you've got the role, do something. But they didn't want to step on too many toes or, you know, get something going that they weren't going to be able to see through because they were about to retire. So um, I kind of feel feel folks who are feeling both sides of that. So, um, but uh, it's, I don't know, it, like I said, you know, from my experience I had of, of working in administration and getting to see kind of the day-to-day, um, there are realities being dealt with by administrators that people in the field don't know. Um, and really, they really shouldn't know. I mean, that's, it, that's kind of the role of the administrator is to absorb those realities and those problems. Um, to make it better for the crews. Um, unfortunately, I think sometimes it's so complicated, so difficult. Administrators get focused on that side of it only and don't actually come back home and say, Hey, this is what I've been doing for the last, you know, three years. You know, that's. But sometimes I think that cup of coffee or that visit and, and maybe even the show of frustration on a chief's part about, man, I'm just trying to get this done for you guys. Uh, maybe brings it back down to a level where we feel like we're all on the same team. Um, you know, and, and, and let's take staffing. I think uh, we'll take that for an example. Poor agency leadership was one of the highest stressfuls of the job. Lack of staffing um, was another one. And, and you can look, I think, at right away, we think, oh, how come we're not hiring enough people? We're not hiring them fast enough. Well, hiring takes two teams or two different thought processes, right? Like, Hey, I know four or five people, you know, that, so I can promote my job, uh, to, to others just as much as, you know, leadership needs to hire them. Right. So, uh, and when I talk about that, like, I see you're kind of going, yeah. Right. Like, uh, I mean, what's your experience on that side of stuff and what's your thought on that? So I, I try my best to, take response. If, if there's a problem that exists, I try The first thing I try to do is what can I do about it? You know, what can I do? Right. And, you know, with lack of staffing, all I can really do is try my best to bring people in, bring good people in. Because uh, what we've learned is we've had some staffing issues. Um, when you start bringing in too many people, sometimes you get the wrong people. And then sometimes getting the wrong people is better than having, is, is worse than having no people. Because you, I mean, once you get them in, then you're stuck with them, you yeah. know? So yeah. it's kind of, it's, it's easy to rush to just fill, fill empty seats, but then all of a sudden now you've got 20 year problems in each of those seats and not, yeah. not firefighters. So, but um, I do my best to, uh, to go to places that I think would bring the right kind of people to the fire service. So I'm a member of a boxing gym. That's what me, my son and I do. And I'm just like walking around all the time, seeing young people in there working. Hey, what do you do? Oh, construction. You're about being a firefighter. You know, and they, they don't even think about it. Something. If you are the kind of person who boxes for fun, like yeah, right. the, the you're going to love the abuse of this oh, job. You know, oh, yeah. yeah. You know, right. hey, you're a professional. You can come here and be a professional athlete and do good deeds. So, and but get I, paid and get yeah. me and 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 make a, a livable wage and 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 get paid. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. So one thing that's interesting on that note is, and we have several articles as part of this series. Um, uh, related specifically to recruitment and retention uh, and staffing. So real quick, the lack of staffing is the number two most stressful part of the job identified. 
Um, 94% respondents said that they have experienced staffing challenges mm. in the past three years. I mean, that's crazy. That's, that's huge. Um, and interestingly, you know, in an, another section of the series, um, I think it was about 50% of respondents said that their department does not have a strong plan for recruitment. And I think similarly, another 50% said they, the department does not have a good plan to retain members either. And I think, I mean, we've been talking about staffing challenges for so long, and it's pretty shocking to think how many departments are still not taking active, you know, proactive steps to manage it. I mean, we can't all rely on folks being proactive like you and going to the boxing gym and, and you know, finding people individually. You know, there's got to be a bigger plan, right? I would hope there there would be one, but you know, it's I kind of look back to traditionally what has brought fire firefighters to the fire service. Um, and I think about, you know, myself, I'm a first generation firefighter on, you know, my side, uh, I'm married. Uh, my wife's father is a retired firefighter from California. And had I never met her and then met him, I probably wouldn't be sitting here right now. Cause uh, I was just a, just a, a guy going from job to job working, you know, labor jobs. Um, you know, that's just how I was raised. And he was the one who kind of, we were building a fence or something. He's like, you know, you, you might be a good firefighter. You should look into it. And uh, it was back during the recession. And I kind of just fell, you know, ass backwards into it because I ended up going to EMT school. And my, my job, my goal then was just, hey, get an EMT license and get a job. And then, of course, you meet people who are like, hey, you need to go to the fire service. You need to go to the fire service. And um, that's how it had happened for me was it was just such a if had I not met people who pointed me in that direction, I, it would have never happened. So we can talk about plans and we can talk about initiatives and stuff, but it's always going to come back to the people who know something about it or are doing it to bring in people. It's our job really to bring in the next generation. And then yeah. it's our job to foster that generation and teach them how to be firefighters after they get here. But yep. if people are so stressed out and at this breaking point, are they going to feel comfortable trying to encourage people to come, you know, work for the fire service? So I, I feel like, no, if they're stressed out, they're not going to tell anybody because if, if they, if they're not honest then what are they, you know, they're not bringing people to a good situation, but as a leader and as a, as a company officer, I did my best to keep our crew busy. I mean, it wasn't very difficult because we were at a busy house anyway, but I don't know where I read this. I, I've read so much in the last, last week, but that they said a, a group that sits in a circle and just stares at each other can't look forward and go anywhere. So you got to wonder, are we just sitting in a circle at a kitchen table and just talking about our stress? And are we stressing ourselves out? Are we just perpetuating the stress? And if that's happening, then maybe an officer needs to break it up a little bit. Hey, hey, let's let's go outside and let's go pull some hose. You know, just just doing yeah. stuff like that. I'm not saying that's the key, but maybe it is. I don't know. Maybe it is that simple. Yeah, and what what uh, Janelle's talking about here is in the survey. There's a you know there's a question you know is a, about or a statement about are we at the tipping point? Because the data point is 43 percent are considering leaving. I don't think I've ever even thought that we would have a staggering fact like that. Um, you know, and I know personally at my department, we had maybe one or two people leave in my first 10 years. And then the last three, we've probably had 10. Um, it, are you seeing that same thing? 
Absolutely. I mean, it's, um, but you know, I think it's also a reaction to, we lost so many people. Um, and then we just filled them. We filled the seats really quickly mm-hmm. with, with folks. And I think they didn't really know what they were getting into. Um, I think that's part of it. Um, I think the other part is if, if somebody is in a bad situation, what are they typically doing? They're looking at their phone and what's on their phone, a million opportunities, yeah. you know, they can, so as an officer, you can be talking or coaching somebody about, Hey, I want you to be better at this. And while they can be looking at their phone, dropping, you know, a thousand job applications with a click of a button. So, you know, it's, there's, there are tons of fish in the sea. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's what was so surprising though, is that the numbers were so similar because when people are frustrated, I I was not surprised by the number 46% said they're considering going to a different fire department because it's the whole grass is always greener thing. Right. Mm -hmm. But the fact that it was 43% are just going to leave altogether, not even for another fire department, just leave the fire service. And maybe Maybe you're right. Maybe that comes back to the fact that, you know, we hired so many people so quickly and they discovered it. this wasn't the job for them. But man, that was the stat, the 43% that really shocked me. I think to your, your point about are we sometimes our own worst enemy is that stress begets stress. So if, if, if we're starting to become stressed out, we sit in our circle and we start piling on. Well, have you heard about the chief's plan to hire more people? I haven't heard of chief's. I was mandated yesterday. Oh, I can't believe they managed. I missed my kids, whatever. And you're right. Like all of a sudden that stress just heightens, heightens, heightens. So yeah. you, you mentioned, Hey, let's, let's diffuse this. Let's go pull some hose. Let's go work on being better. I mean, what's another strategy you've used? So one strategy I use as a, as a station captain was, uh, when we were at the table at shift change. I told people no more speculation, only hard news. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it was so funny. Hey, what do you think? You think cheating? I'd say, is that hard news or is that speculation? Cause I'm not here to speculate. I'll tell right. you what's happened and I'll tell you what we're doing, but I can't speculate on anything. And I, I you know, it's kind of a joke, but it kind of made people laugh about stuff. And they kind of start thinking, what, what else have I speculated about? Um, and, yeah. Stress myself out about, I like to call it the Jedi mind trick. Cause if you have children and they're fussing, you just tell them, Hey, what, what's something that you like? And you know, you get them talking about ice cream or, um, you know, a, a trip to the lake or whatever, like firefighters are no different than that. Right. You know, Maybe throw in a fart joke, something like that. But you, you, you're right though. I, 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 when you said that, you're like, yeah, we sit in this circle, we made it, and we, we look at each other instead of looking forward. I thought, man, that's that's exactly. I think sometimes what happens. Um, but let, let's add the stress. Let's talk. Let's keep talking about this. Forty-seven um, percent stated that stress from the job is ne- negatively impacting their relationships and family. That was another one that kind of stood out and made me go, ooh. Now we're almost good. I think that's why we're almost to this critical point. Uh, when you saw that, what was your initial thought? Again, I feel them because I've experienced it myself. Um, you know, when I, when I was a young firefighter, especially, um, my father-in-law gave me some advice when I started. He said, don't get a second job. You know, when you're off, go home and just live on the budget. That was very difficult. I, we were not making very much money. My wife was in nursing school and we had two kids under two. So, you know, it was, it was really, really hard. And then not, you know, not to mention I was a a new firefighter paramedic on a really, really busy ambulance. I was seeing a lot of stuff I wasn't prepared for. I wasn't sleeping. Um, There was just so much going on and, you know, kudos to my wife, you know, when I finally kind of noticed the symptoms I was feeling and I went and spoke to her, you know, she got me through it. I mean, that's, but I had a support base 
to, to get me through it. And she's in the medical field also. So, you know, we just, I'm so lucky to have that, you know, to have a sounding board that she's going through her stuff too. You know I mean? Especially during COVID, she was on a COVID unit. So I'm in the streets doing one side and she's on, you know, the hospital. We just kind of had that, but I was lucky. A lot of people don't, don't have that situation. Their families don't understand what they're going through. Um, you know, it's, and I, I still experience it when she's not there, you know, I can, I, I not to uh, get too morbid or whatever, but you know, I ran a pretty serious call just yesterday. You know, I was on a pretty, it was a scene of a gunshot wound. It was pretty intense situation. And then two hours later, I was on my parents' front porch talking to him about, you know, my kids going to Dave and Buster's, you know, and I'm sitting there thinking they don't even know what's going through my head right now, yeah, but yeah, you know, and it's, it's stressful and it can, I can see how people can get withdrawn um, because that's, that's how you, you either react, you either withdraw or you lash out or, you know, then sometimes, which can be worse, you open up and tell them what you saw. And now you've, <laughs> you've got your family kind of, cause they weren't ready to hear that message. So yeah, it's yeah. a really, it's a really difficult thing to process. And this brings up uh, policy, right? This is where a department, I think, can really become a benefit with good EAP. Uh, and this is where the peer-to-peer -peer stuff, I think, um, you know, one of the, the things I, I got personally from reading the data was the mentoring and the peer-to-peer -peer is really imperative to the fire service. And, you know, when we talk about the brotherhood and sisterhood, I think we need to embrace that now more than ever. Um, you know, uh, a, do you agree with that? And B, are you seeing that? I agree with it 100% and absolutely I'm seeing it because, uh, I don't know. I just have to acknowledge we, we had a funeral for one of our firefighters yesterday. Mm -hmm. Um, Jordan Melton, uh, was shot at the fire station and he died from his injuries. Yeah. And so that's why I actually was working yesterday because I was working overtime. So then other people could go to the funeral. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and it was one of those moments, you know, everybody, a lot of people stepped up, um, because he touched so many of us and a lot of people really wanted to go and our administrator, our administration, our fire chief, you know, I got to hand it, I got to hand it to them. They, they made it happen. They, they paid a lot of overtime to get people out. Um, they have really supported everybody. And I've watched, you know, and, and what's, what's wild was, you know, Jordan was a, a young firefighter. He only had a year on. So his recruit class, you know, this was a 30, 30 or so students were all in his class together. And this is their first year on the department, you know, so they're, they're facing this and to watch them all kind of come together and support one another, you know, it's, it's good. And then for, you know, us to, to kind of support them. And I feel like we've got a responsibility now to those, to those who graduated with them to say, hey, okay, now there's life after this, you know, cause I don't know. I, one, one thing I was telling them was when you join the fire service, you join a big family. And I really do believe that. But unfortunately when you have a big family, a lot of things can happen, you know, and I, yeah. And looking back, I can't imagine, I can't remember a year that passed that something significant, you know, tragic happened to somebody I know at the fire service, you know, it's just, it's part of it, but it seems like every time you do it, you know, you build and you forge bonds and you get stronger. And Yeah. And sorry again for your, your loss. And thanks again for, for being here. I, you know, I'm glad you, you know, you mentioned that and, and you've had a rough week, you've had a rough couple of weeks and, uh, you know, behind the scenes when we were organizing this, we, you know, Janelle and I kind of just said, hey, you know, we'll, whatever time you need, you know, uh, but, uh, you know, our thoughts and condolences and, and support are with you and your department for going through that. And thanks so much for talking about it. And, um, you know, you, you just bring up a great point. Whenever you, you go through that, you see the both extremes of the fire service. You see just the heartbreak 
And then you see how we as a fire service are so good at stepping up in time of need. And it brings up, I think, you know, reading this data, you can't help but notice we are in a time of need. And we, we're talking about how to step up. And uh, let's look at leadership for a second. Let's go back to that. After reading this and, and being a part of, of, of uh, you know, just the last couple of weeks, you know, what are some things leadership needs to do to step up and, and kind of help with this tipping point on stress? I, you know, so I'm a, I'm a newly promoted battalion chief. It's, it's actually been seven months now. And, you know, I've had, a, I've had 12 years to think about what kind of chief I was going to be and, you know, talk about stress and problems. And um, I do my best to just try to be present for the crews, right? You, you know, just when, when I hear a bad call go out or I hear something, or I hear any call go out, just going and being with them, even if there's nothing for me, if I'm not dispatched on it, just showing up and being there. And then by doing that, I'm, I'm more in tune with them. So when I see someone struggling, maybe I'll be better at, at recognizing it. And when they tell me a problem, even if it's something I can't solve, just being a sounding board, trying to solve it, even if I lose, that, that's something, you know, I, I think a lot of the crews, as, as leaders, I think we're really quick to dismiss um, concerns, especially if we know it's a losing battle. I think sometimes the crews need to see their leaders lose on their behalf. That's something really big. You know, I think, look, you know, a leader doesn't need to be the person constantly saying, no, no, no. You know, they say, you know what? I hear you. I'm going to take it and I'm going to try. And that leader can just internalize that. No, this is a losing battle. but That's okay. And go lose and let your crew see you lose because then they know you're going to try. And just, I mean, just knowing someone's in your court, I mean, that's going to reduce a little bit of that stress, you know, something. So. Yeah. And, and so let, let's go, let's go to the individual then. And, and, you know, in the field, we are, we're very good at breaking each other down, but I think, right. With the fire service, we're, we're really good at that. You know, uh, what's the, the, the ongoing joke is, you know, the fire service doesn't like the way it is and they don't like, we don't like change either, you know? Um, and I think that's, that's kind of what you get in the firehouses. Um, but then on the other side, we're really good at stepping up when we need to. So on the individual basis, let's talk a little bit about solutions to the stressed out problem we have. So on the individual basis, and uh, I believe that I think we just have a responsibility to educate ourselves and educate each other on stresses. And because here's the thing, I mean, this job is going to be stressful. I mean, they're just, it's always been stressful. That's why people, I always say this to people, that's why you get a discount at certain restaurants when they go in there and say, thank you for your service. You know, bankers aren't getting discounts, you know, yeah, no, no stress is part of the sacrifice. So you have to understand that you're going to have stress. Um, so as an individual, you you're taking that on when you put the uniform on, you're accepting, I'm going to be stressed out. Now you've also got to be aware of when that stress has crossed the line. You know, that's part of your personal responsibility. Um, as you know, crew members and, and friends, you got to look out for your people, but sometimes it's just, it's individual responsibility of knowing when you've hit that point of, Hey, I'm, 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 I need to take a day off. I need to do something. You know, that's, that's part of your responsibility as well. Well, I, and that, that ties in with one of the stats that you called out in your article that was really 
alarming. Um, 32% of respondents said that their stress level is negatively impacting the quality of service they provide. Now, a lot of the other stats are related to time with family, ability to sleep, things like that. But I think this is kind of what you're getting at, right? Where it crosses the line, you know, um, quality of service provided. That's, that's dangerous. Yeah, it's extremely dangerous. And, uh, you know, and, and as a battalion chief, I have about 40 people under me now. And I, I get that phone call, you know, hey, I can't do it today, you know, or, and I have to sit there and it's like, okay. And I have to sit there and talk to them and I, you know, I respect them for doing it. You know, people are calling and saying it and there's a balance of like, okay, are you, are you, can we just talk and just have like a five minute discussion or 10 minute discussion or 30 minute discussion and maybe you'll be okay. Or do you really need time off and you need help and all that good stuff. But when you are, when you're doing this job, there's no excuses. When the bell dings, there's no excuses. I mean, there's just, there isn't. You you either can do the job or you can't. So to say that, you know, the stress is affecting the quality of service you provide, it's when we're, when we're just talking at the table and you're telling me that, that's the time to deal with it. Um, and I think that goes back to the individual responsibility. If you feel that way, you've got to step up and say it because we can't read your mind. And, and know what's going on. We can, we can look for, you know, uh, symptoms and the way you're acting and try to step in or whatever. But, you know, if you wait too long and the bell rings and you're out there, you know, something bad happens, that's on you. You know, no matter what, what's going on, stress, it's, it's your fault. I mean, it's the unfortunate reality, but it's the truth. Mm-hmm. 47. 47- 47% stated that stress from the job is negatively impacting their relationships and family also. So I, I want to say those two kind of go hand in hand, right? Like first, if it's affecting your family, let's try to, let's try to address it there. Cause I mean, would you think, I mean, my thought is it's, it's affecting the family. And then all of a sudden it's kind of that last point is it affects the job. Um, you know, what do you think on that particular point? So, so yeah, so it does start at home. Absolutely starts at home. And uh, because, you know, they always, you've always seen the academies where the recruit academy graduations, the chiefs always thank the family. I mean, they always, Hey, I want to thank the family because you, you were allowing them to be with us every third day, you know, you're sharing them with us. So we need to carry that on in, in our careers and go home and talk to our families about the realities we're facing at work. Um, you know, in my article, I'll talk about you know, being held over on Christmas day. You know, I worked Christmas Eve and then the morning of Christmas Day, I get the phone call. Hey, I need you for mandatory overtime because we were short. Well, I knew it was coming two weeks, two weeks in advance. I knew it was a possibility. So when I called my wife, she wasn't surprised. You know, she knew, Okay, well, she was sad, but we had planned for this, you know, that it was a possibility. And, um, you know, I think we could do a better job at home just telling our families like what we're dealing with because it affect it affects them. You know, you're going to be away from home. You're going to be tired. And as a family, you need to make a decision. Is the fire service right for us or not? You know, um, it's a service. It's a calling. I respect anybody who comes and does it, but not everybody's situation is the same. And some people just don't need to, I'm not saying step away forever. Some people really need to step away for a little while and maybe come back to it. The fire service isn't going anywhere, but the, the time you have with your family, the time you have on this earth, 
it, you know, it's, it's a finite time. So yep. make the best of it the best you can. Yeah. We had Dr. Rachel Zemlock on and, and, and her and I talked about this particular point too, about one of the ways, and I actually just saw a post on this this morning was, um, the transition from the firehouse to family, you know, going from the firehouse back home is really, really difficult. And one that I never was taught about or, or, or even thought about, uh, the reality of how that change can be right. So you go from a battalion chief, yes, chief. Yeah, we'll do that. Yeah. You do that to two screaming kids at home that don't want to listen, you know, to a wife who's just hands it off. Cause they have to go to work. That's a difficult transition to do in five minutes. <laughs> Right. And so Dr. Z said, take 30 minutes, work this out with your family, talk about how you can, can transition from the firehouse to home life. Um, and, uh, and I think, you know, Janelle is, is kind of uh, smiling. I I know, uh, about my next statement, which is the theme here is leadership needs to talk to all of their members to maybe include them on their stresses and what they're going through and, and, and be more uh, open and honest about their challenges. And we need to do the same thing to our families, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the more honest we are with each other, I mean, it's cause, cause we're all, we're all, it's that, it's that old cliche, you know, everyone has their own struggle. You know, everyone's struggling through something. We can't see it. Yeah. And the more we can talk about it, the more we're, we're open and, feel normal, you know? I mean, that's, I, I don't know, just being more open and honest. What, what do they say? You got to name it to name it, mm -hmm. to treat it, or whatever, whatever the words are, but you have to identify it before you can move forward. One thing that I think is really interesting that sort of connects almost everything we've been talking about here is, so the number three most stressful part of the job identified by the respondents was personnel management. Now that sounds like, you know, paperwork and all this stuff, but there's so much more involved in that. And so it's a stressor. It's stressing people out, having to manage everybody, but it's also the solution too, right? It's a stressor, but it's like, seems like so much of what we've been talking about comes back to talking to your members, communicating, making sure they understand uh, what's happening with leadership, whatever it might be, it's the mentorship. It's like all these things can get tied back into personnel management, not from the admin paperwork pushing part of it, but from the connection mm -hmm. with, with members. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're right. And you know, when I, when I read personnel management, I started thinking about, obviously I'm a battalion chief. So my day starts, with putting people in positions, you know, plugging holes, figuring out who's going to go where. And sometimes it's really difficult when we're really short, because the thing is, it's really easy to look at on a computer screen, drag, drop names and just, okay, my staffing's done. But then to really look at it and say, okay, but that person's trying to get experience on this kind of truck, or this person's trying to, this person's up for, you know, promotion. They need experience doing this. Um, this person hasn't got to do, taking all that stuff into consideration and also filling the vacancies, you know, I'm not going to lie to you. It's really, really difficult. It's extremely difficult, but you know, like you said, that's where the rubber meets the road, you know, putting them in positions to build their careers and get experience, be with people they like, be with people they respect. You know, there's just so much that goes into personnel management that is, um, it's so it's, it's a real challenge. And, I, and I'll be honest with you coming from being a captain at a really busy fire station, to be in a battalion chief, 
my call volume has dropped, but I'm so much more tired when I go home now than <laughs> as a captain. I mean, I would rather run two or three fires as a, as a fire station captain <laughs> than, yeah. you know, sometimes do what I'm doing right now. But, you know, it's, it's difficult. It takes a lot of work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's because you're, you're putting a lot of thought process into it. Yeah. Too, yeah. Right. It's, and it's, you're putting a lot into it, which is, which is what we, I think that's what, the, that's what the survey is saying. That's what we want. We want yeah. at least rationale and communication as to sometimes why this is going on. Why are they going here? Why am I doing that? And, you know, uh, e- even if, Hey, this is just the way it had to work out for this day. I'm sorry. I'll help you. Sometimes that's, that goes so far. You know, um, personally, I think it probably would have been number one, but most of <laughs> firefighters like me probably didn't understand. I don't know what they talk, personnel management. Isn't that leadership? Isn't the same thing? You know, so I'm thinking it's probably number one. It's just the way it was worded was probably a little confusing for most of us like me. So <laughs> mental note, mental note. Yes. Mental year. note for next time, Janelle, just, you know, maybe you should have me or some other firefighters <laughs> like, uh, uh, let's talk about some of the positive things though. Right. We, we obviously are, are doing this podcast because we love the fire service. We, we write because we want to contribute. People are listening right now. All five of you are listening right now. Just kidding. Um, because you love what you do and you want to get better at it. And I think what, what we didn't talk about was that aspect of it. And, um, you know, for you personally, that's what you thrive on. That's what you've done. You've even done a Ted talk, by the way, I didn't even, I, I, I can't believe I went, you know, 30 minutes into this podcast without acknowledging your Ted talk. And by the way, uh, for, for those of you listening, I think we'll try to link to it. It's a very good job. Um, and, and we're not talking like a mini Ted talk. We're talking like he's on stage and there's Ted talks behind him and he's doing the, uh, you know, all of the, 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 you got the hand gestures, the pauses. I was, I'm a little, I'm jealous actually. You, you rocked it, but it's because of your passion, right? So let's talk about the good aspects of it. What are you seeing on the other side of this that we need to build on? What I'm seeing now are some really, really good young people coming into the fire service that are extremely motivated. They're here for the right reasons. Um, one thing I've noticed also is they're, they have education behind them. Like they're not just, you know, they've got some college classes behind them. So they could have, it, which tells me they could have done jobs just about anywhere. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're choosing to come to the fire service. Um, that's a really, really good thing uh, that I'm seeing. And um, I see what else are we seeing? It's just, just a young bunch of motivated folks who are choosing to come to the fire service, not just ending up here, but, you know, choosing to come. And um, listening to podcasts like this to make them better. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but you're yeah. seeing, you're, you're the seeing data it. Backs it up too. Like the, yeah. I mean, despite everything we've talked about, the stress staffing far and away, most people would still recommend a career in the fire service. Uh, 10, 10 out of 10 was the highest percentage. Uh, 35% said they would still at 10 recommend, which is huge, you know? So there's still a lot of positivity there. People are stressed, but they still love what they do. I love this job so much that sometimes I have to catch myself because I constantly advocate for people to come to the fire service. Like, I mean, Hey, what do you do? Oh, I'm a, 
mechanical engineer. I have this huge job. You ever thought about the fire service? (laughs) Talk about how awesome it is and how much fun we have and how basically all you do. Because, you know, ultimately all we really do is we drive around on these parade floats. Little kids see us come in, they wave, you know, and we just show up. And ultimately all we're doing is being nice to people. That's really, we are spreading good in the world. We're not responsible for fundraising. We just, it's, it's awesome. It's so good. It's the greatest nonprofit ever invented. Right. Right. Nobody's waving at the mechanical engineer, right? No, unfortunately. Right. Sorry, mechanical engineer. Yeah. Well, you're right. Show up on scene, solve a problem, which we all love to do. Yep. And then be nice. Yep. And then hop on your parade vehicle and go to the next one. Right off into the sunset. Hey, you're welcome. You're welcome. Well, let's, let's, you know, sometimes we're our own worst enemy, right? Well, not more sometimes. A lot of times we're our own worst enemy and you brought up a good point. Some of our stress, we got to look in the mirror and go, okay, do I really need to do, you know, a side job, right? Or do I really need to do, you know, that, that social gathering, right? Or, you know, like you said, sometimes you, you find yourself going deeper and deeper and deeper in this, but you know, if we're already stressed out, then you add the passion to it. That's a tough balance, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. And you know, the thing is, it's like you said, we, we are so attached to it. Um, just so when we are attached to something and passionate, of course, it's going to stress us out. And, um, you know, Janelle, you actually sent me an, an article by, by Greg Rogers and I was, I was reading it and he had a link in there to a, a it was a white paper and it deals with moral injury and uh, which is a newer term. And I guess it talks about how, you know, things compile and how you feel about things. And if it doesn't go that way, you, you're stressed about it. You were hurt by that. Yeah. And it really kind of rung true. You apply it to the fire service. We are so passionate about this job that any slight away from what we think is the right way to do it is going to hurt us, mm-hmm. you know? So it kind of goes back to, you know, we in the field looking at agency leadership Unfortunately, they are do- they're dealing with politics. I mean, that's just a reality that they're having to deal with. And what we're doing is life and death. And there, there's no room for politics out here. Unfortunately, with politics, some things, sometimes you have to compromise things and, you know, just to make things happen. And we just don't get it. And, you know, we just, and it's not really our job to get. We're here to do the right thing all the time. You know, no, there's, no, there's no compromise here. It's always the right thing. So it's, it's really, really difficult. Um, on both sides, because, you know, agency leadership has to navigate through this complicated political landscape. And we're out here, you know, in the trenches, just asking questions like, Hey, what's going on? You know? So, um, but yeah, I just, I, I just had a little shout out to, to Greg's article that you submit, you know, sent to me because it's really, really well written and has some really good stuff in it. So. Yeah. yeah that's a great point about the moral injury because when you're so invested in something, it can can make the stress feel even worse, even more powerful. Yeah. And there's a, I, I think when I look back on my career and the things that hurt me the worst were the times that I saw someone else make a, a decision that I didn't agree with and I didn't speak up. You know, I, I kind of just let it happen because either I was a rookie or, you know, that, that wasn't my crew or, you know, hey, that's, or I thought, you know, I'm not going to say anything. It's a losing battle. You know, that was not the hill I was going to die on. Those are the things that really kept me up. And uh, and, I, and I'll be completely honest. I'm, I'm going to say this now. I've seen a therapist myself and looking back on it, it was for moral injury. I mean, I've, I've sat on the couch and I've poured my heart out 
And uh, what's funny about that is uh, I kind of kept it a secret, didn't tell anybody, you know. And we had a young firefighter. We had some bad calls go through, and we all kind of gathered around her, and we were talking to her. And I said, you know, I admitted to her, hey, you know, it's okay to see a therapist. I've done it. Well, this big, burly firefighter that, you know, doesn't say a whole lot. He's like, he looks at me and goes, yeah, me too. You know, and then this other, oh, yeah, me too. And we all kind of, and it goes back to being open and honest that, you know, we're all struggling. You know, we're yeah. all you know, having our issues. So this is the program to say that because almost every guest has, I've said it numerous times. As a matter yeah. of fact, I, I, we've even had a psychiatrist want to do a, she's seen, she's like, yeah, you do need help, Zam. Um, <laughs> let's do one on the air and let's do a podcast, which I, I, uh, I, I'm totally up to doing, man. Cause you, you, how can you get better if you don't figure out what's going on and, yeah. and really admit, you know, and, and, and so, yeah, thank you for your honesty. Um, <laughs> you know, I joke about it, but, uh, you're hundred percent right. Like I believe that should be mandatory. You know, when you talk about yeah. policy, I, so if you just sit there and don't say a word for an hour, that's fine. That's on you. Um, but I, I almost guarantee that most people, um, in the fire service would be really, really pleasantly surprised at how refreshing it could be and how therapeutic, obviously what that's what it's for. So, um, you know, but, but talking about therapy, um, you, uh, we appreciate so much you being here and your, your article and people can, can read it, uh, obviously with the special report. Um, but your therapy continues here on this podcast because we're going to do things called the hot seat and we're going to put some questions in front of you. They're real quick questions. Um, we're going to dig into you personally a little bit. These are a little bit sometimes fun, sometimes deep, I guess is how they've kind of gone sometimes, but, um, they're just a great way for us to finish. And, uh, we get some user feedback and my mom, uh, and Janelle's mom come up with most of, most of them. So, um, Janelle, what do you got today for the hot seat questions for Ben? Well, we were kind of just talking about this, so it's a good segue, but how do you personally relieve your work stress? Like when you get home and you are just so stressed out, do you have like a go-to strategy to, to chill out a bit? Well, I here lately going to the boxing gym has been really, really nice. Um, just going in there and just, you know, getting my butt kicked by a trainer just telling me what to do and doing something that I'm really bad at, you know, and just <laughs> totally forgetting the fire service and just worrying, you know, just watching how poor I can throw a jab. It's, you know, for a couple of hours. And also my son does it with me. So he and I get to do it together and it's just fun, you know, doing that kind of stuff. Um, that's, that's probably the the one I'm doing the most here lately. Um, also I like to do a lot of fishing and a lot of reading. Very nice. Very nice. <laughs> Didn't Mike Tyson say everybody's a boxer until you get punched in the face? Oh, yeah. 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 That's that, when boxing that, lost me, too. And so, Well, see, and that's why I say I go to a boxing gym. I don't claim to be a boxer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you on that one, buddy. I'm with you on that one. Um, all right. I want you to be honest on this one. How many times did you practice your TEDx talk? I, I practiced it so much that I refused to watch the YouTube video because I can't stand it. <laughs> Really? like did the sound of my own voice. <laughs> so, um, so it's funny cause it, you have the people who run that, the TEDx, they do such a good job of like preparing you for the day. And when you get your talk actually whittled down to what it's going to be, it's about one month out and they say, great. Now memorize it to the level at which you know, the song happy birthday. They say you should be able to wash your hands and do things and recite it without even thinking about it. That's the level you have to memorize it. Yeah. So I used to drive to work every day. That was when I was in, in admin. So I was doing five days a week and I would drive to work, recite it, 
and then I'd drive home and recite it. So I did it every day, at least two times a day. And it was really, really tough. But you did a great job with it. 90,000 views, uh, over 2,500 likes. Wow. Good job on That's that one. Fair. Well, I appreciate that. <laughs> what would be your advice to a firefighter who has been on the job several years and they are thinking about leaving because of their stress and some of the stuff that we've talked about today? Um, my, my advice would be, well, first I would just take them out to lunch, you know, just sit down and talk to the person, you know, just kind of figure yeah. out what's going on in their life. Cause there's always something else. Um, but my advice would really just be, you know, maybe take a leave of absence. Don't, don't jump ship too quickly because it takes so long to get here. You know, that there's, there's so many tools out there now to deal with stress that, I would love for them to make sure they've exhausted all those before they make a choice to, to come out of the fire service. Um, but, uh, you know, jokingly, of course, my first thing is, Hey, why don't you get a second job at a steel mill or something? Go work in a furnace. And see right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like go work a nine work. to five and then yeah, come yeah, back. Yeah. Yeah. Come back Cross is not work. always yeah. greener. Yeah. 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 So that's, I mean, that's the thing. And, and that's, what's funny is I know a lot of people who've left the fire service. I know a ton of people and you know, it's funny because every time I run into them, How's, how's it going? They, oh, it's great. It's great. But then all they want to talk about is the fire service and you can tell they miss it so much, you know, and it's like, and I know that day's going to come for me when I step away, you know, and so I'd hate to see somebody step away too soon, you know, when there's all these years of, of just good experiences and good times that they can experience. I just don't want them to miss out just on some tough times. So yeah. great point. Exhaust. Yep. Exhaust a lot of those resources first. Reach out. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Very yep. well said. Um, one final one for you. How and what are you doing personally to get better every shift? What I'm doing is I'm constantly trying to look at the job from the eyes of the youngest, the firefighter, this youngest on the department. So whoever the rookie is, I try to seek them out and I try to see what they think about the fire service, what questions they have, because looking at the service through new eyes is like the greatest gift. And as a battalion chief, I get to drive around and do it all day. And it's so awesome to just have my love for the service renewed through somebody else's love for the service. You know what I mean? Cause then, you know, cause by, by taking on their question and coming back and talking to them about it, now we built a bond. Now we're brothers, you know, or sister or brother and sister, you know, mm -hmm. that's, um, I don't know. That's, that's just how I do it. Just build bonds with the, with the crews. Cause that, that's what we're here to do. You know, be a family. Well, very well said, uh, uh, Chief. Um, appreciate you being here. Thanks again for, for the insight. I, I, you're 100% correct. Just uh, reach out to everybody. Have conversations. Look around you. Try to get that motivation from, from that new person and, and look at things from, from their, their mind's eye. And uh, uh, it doesn't take much to stay motivated in the fire service. Just take a look around. Uh, speaking of looking around, you can see this podcast on our uh, YouTube channel. Uh, you can also see it on firerescue1.com. Please email us at bettereveryshift at firerescue1.com if you have questions, comments, or um, you know any feedback on how uh, we can make this better for you. Please rate and review the show. And most importantly, thank you for joining us. In the words of Battalion Chief Ben Thompson, make sure that you communicate with each other, talk to each other. But most importantly, make sure that we learn something, do something, and share something to make you and those around you better every shift. Thanks for listening, everybody.